our flesh, as it were, Lord, so that you would pour into us, so that we would be full of you and not full of ourselves, so that we would be focused on you and not focused on ourselves. And as we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you would help us, help us to hear your voice, help us to understand you, help us to know what you want us to do about it. I thank you for that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let me just uh, make sure this is correct. Okay, we're going to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to mingle our prayer with uh, the message today. A Bible study, sermon, whatever your vocabulary is for this time of talking. So we're going we're gonna to mix that up uh, a little bit today. <laughs> Feeling a little quirky sense of humor today, folks. Are you ready? All right, you're going to have to roll with me. Okay, so we are, um, I want to make sure that we are understanding functionally what this means, okay? We're here helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. We pull that from Scripture. It's our stated purpose. And then what we did in worship this morning, what we'll do here in the, in the, the message, with the going to Scripture, it's all a part of, of this purpose, right? And in our uh, three weeks of prayer and fasting that we have for the last few years, started every year with, um, we are setting aside time to be more focused on God than anything else, right? Because Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, which by the way, remember, it wasn't a book that he read from. This is what actually happened when the Son of God came. Jesus said to seek first, And he used the street language with a word meaning, hey, pay attention. What I'm about to tell you to set your focus on, set your attention on, is more important than anything else in your life. This word first that he uses is a way of saying, make sure that as you go about your life, and and, and it is important for us from history and from scripture, we know that the people that he spoke with, most of which went back to their homes and lived their life and had marriages and had kids and grandkids and worked jobs and were in the marketplace and were in education and were in culture, but they turned the world upside down. And we are here today because of those believers who responded to Jesus. We're here today because of Jesus, but we are also have given the opportunity to know about Jesus and to have the scripture because of how they responded to his words. And so when he said the word, hey, yo, focus on this. And he used this word first. There are some things in your life that are more important than others. He said, set your attention on, focus your mind upon what? The kingdom of God, the things of God. That was, that's really where we have started. Now I want to take us to a couple of scriptures and Just for kicks, I'm going to use a couple of paraphrases, other translations, if you will. So uh, you may want to, for these uh, couple of passages of Scripture, then we're going to pray. Uh, You don't need to turn there because I'm going to um, try to bring to light some of the truth from this other phrasing. This is a couple of selections from Romans chapter 3. The God setting things right that we read about, referring to the Old Testament, has become... Jesus setting things right for us. Now this, God setting things right, Jesus setting things right, is actually a pure translation of the greater context, the message of what's being said here, but also in many other passages of Scripture that refer to the way. 
meaning the way that we follow Jesus, that referred to the gospel or the good news of Jesus. God setting things right is a very pure translation of how Scripture refers to it. Has become Jesus setting things right for us out of sheer generosity. He put us in right standing with Himself. A pure gift. It's so important for you to understand you don't put yourself in right standing with God. Jesus has put you in right standing before God. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it by means of Jesus Christ. God the Father, through God the Son, set things right. He continues, Romans 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. There is something too, and not just in that initial moment, not just in the first moment that you turn to God, but in a continuing. The, 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 the scriptures about salvation are always in the I am now saved, I am being saved, and I will yet be saved. The grammar is always, it's, we don't have this kind of grammar in English. We can't say a sentence and mean what they meant in this one sentence. And so it's important for me to express this to you because it's repeated in scripture. When Jesus would talk about salvation or Paul would write about salvation, it was always this, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will yet be saved. Your salvation is not just in the initial moment, but it is in every moment. It is in what God is doing. Come on, somebody say amen. It is in what God is doing in your life now in this moment and in the promise of the future that God has for you. It is a progressive and ongoing work inside you that God is doing. As we go into this year, I want to make sure that your rear view mirror is not bigger than your windshield. How many of you know that if your rear view mirror was bigger than your windshield, you could not drive a car? Well, what? It's easy for us to come in. Okay, now it's like, holy cow, it's really January 15th, 2015. I haven't even gotten used to writing 2015 yet. What happened to last year? Last year was rough. Last year was tough. I don't even know that I can go into a new year. And I don't even know that I will ever become who God has created me to be. Anyone ever been there? God does not want you in that place. God is about your right now. And God is in your future. God has a promise for your life. God has a purpose for your life. But that is not without the reality that is today. That's the God that we serve. God is in this right now moment. Yes, sure, a a rear view mirror can be helpful if you're backing up. And it can be helpful to remember some things, to learn some things. Right? Right? So that we don't repeat the mistakes as Solomon wrote, like a dog returning to its vomit. God doesn't want us to be like dogs in that respect. But sometimes I think he does want us to be a little bit more. I like dogs because they're tough. I like dogs because they live in the moment. They're all about right now. And they're kind of like my Marshawn Lynch from the Seattle Seahawks. I'm just about that action, boss. As he said, dogs are about the action. What are we doing? You will say, you want to get out outside? And then it takes me 60 seconds to get myself up. And she's looking at me like, you said outside, but we're not there yet. 
Dogs kind of live in that moment. I think sometimes we dwell too much on our past. We define ourselves. We look at ourselves in the mirror too much by what was said about us in the past or what we have done in the past. God's not in your past. He is right now here today and he is in your future. In the Old Testament, he's described as Yahweh El Roy. He is the God who sees. He sees it all. Psalm 16, David referred, the psalmist referred to it like this. I saw the Lord always before me. In other words, when I look back on times of my life, I realize that before I got to that moment, God already saw what that moment was going to be. That is some reassuring truth. So let's pray right now. I want, let's put a close on 2014 in the name of Jesus. You may need cleansing, you may need healing, you may need forgiveness, but let's close the door right now. Let's open the door to what God has for you today and in 2015. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to ask God to give us grace to receive His forgiveness. Right? You've got to receive it. It's not enough to hear about it. It's not enough to nod your head. You've got to receive it. And you've got to receive it moment by moment. Moment by moment. All the way. All the way. I remember what it was like to stand in church and feel dirty. And to have to say over and over, I am clean. I am clean. I am clean. To declare the truth of what the Bible said about me. God is, when we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins. We've got to receive it moment by moment to leave the past behind, to surrender. God, give us grace to surrender every area of our life. Why would I take the time to teach about fasting? Jesus, Matthew 6, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, what I find is that when people are focused on God, seeking first the kingdom of God, giving of their time, energy, and money, praying and talking with Him, and fasting throughout the year at different moments, there's not a whole lot of room for a lot of carnality, immaturity, selfishness, and addictions. God starts to come and bring healing. So right now, just agree with me in prayer. God, each of us as individuals in this room, we ask for your grace. Help us receive your forgiveness. God, we need help. We need help. We can hear about it. We can start to understand it, but we still need help to receive your forgiveness. Will you please? We are agreeing. Please help us to receive your forgiveness. Please help us to leave the past behind, to stop looking in the rearview mirror in an unhealthy way. Please help us to surrender every area of our life. You are God. You are Lord. Help us to submit to you like you are. Help us to surrender every area of your life, to not hold back any secret rooms in our hearts, but to surrender every area of our life to you. Help us to forgive others. God, right now here, this can be one of the most difficult things, but Lord Jesus, when you talked about praying and asking for forgiveness, you always linked it to forgiving others. And so we hear you, we respond to you, we obey you. We say right now, God, whoever hurt us, we let go. Whoever hurt us, whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, we let go. We say, God, you are the judge. You do what you want to do with this person, with this sin, with this hurt, but we release it. We let it go and we forgive. We ask you for your help to forgive. We ask you to give us your love and your forgiveness for them. But channel your love, your forgiveness, that mercy and grace through us to be able to forgive those that have hurt us. We ask for your help. We leave 2014 and all that has happened behind. We ask for your cleansing. Allow us your grace 
to receive and to give your forgiveness. Help us to enter 2015 with a focus and with a strength. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We need that, right? Now, here's something amazing that happens. And I know some of us, oh, seek first. There goes Pastor Ben again. He's crazy about these words. Okay, what? track this now. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. We're all there, right? We just prayed the prayer. It's done. It's settled. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And here's another version of that. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. And be alert to what is, going on, uh, what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. And scripture says, and Paul writes to believers just like you and I speak the truth in love. He's not talking about a Christian airing of grievances. Like Festivus. He's talking about what is the truth that God is revealing to you? What is the scripture? What is the truth that Daniel just shared? What is the truth that God is making real to you? Share that with somebody else. Let's have relationships that are life-giving, not draining. Speak the truth in love. Not in arrogance. You can speak the truth in arrogance and being judgmental. No, no, no. Speak the truth in love. We are called to set our eyes, to set our focus, to set our attention, your heart affection, your Twitter patient, your infatuation should be on Jesus first. Your spouse comes second. Your hobby, your, the thing you enjoy the most comes second. So I know for Steve that the Green Lantern comes after Jesus. And after Melinda and many other things. We all, God created this world so that there are things like this that we can enjoy and we should enjoy. But the number one thing in our heart should be Him. And here's the beautiful thing about it. He never fails. He never fails. And He never gives up on us. Anyone had someone give up on you? I have. I have. Now, here's the thing that can happen, though. This is awesome. This is inspiring, and it's true, and it's good. But here's what happens. As we set our sights on Jesus and on good things, we can become frustrated and discontented with the reality that's around us, 
or inside us. Whether it's like we talked about last week, the sin that so easily besets us, or the state that our living room is in, or our... <laughs> I got, trust me, right now, it looked good yesterday, right now, it's not looking so good. The state of our marriage, the state of our parenthood, the state of our work ethic, the state of our addictions, the state of our private life, we can become frustrated or with what we see at work, what we see in the neighborhood. It may be a sin issue, it may be a Nehemiah issue. He gets news from afar that the city of God, the city that God told them to build, was in shambles. The walls were broken down, there was ruin. Don't you know that before we moved here, God used the story of Nehemiah to speak to me about Baltimore. Say, God is looking for a people that will move in, that will move to where there is decay and rebuild. So often, well, let let me um, bring this in. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Let me explain a little bit of what I'm talking about. So the last two days, for the first time since September 30th or 29th, I have started to be able to walk downstairs one step at a time. Your, ser- your surgery is more serious than mine. <laughs> now that's a, a, a directly using a part of my body that had to be completely rebuilt. Now, I was able to do that because for the past few months, I've been doing hours of exercises that seem silly. Why would I do exercises that seem silly? I could just take a pill and not feel the pain. Because I have a clear mental picture Because I'm frustrated with not being able to run and play. If we had a beautiful spring day today, if today was the Memorial Day picnic, I couldn't run with my kids. I can't. I'm not physically able. But I have a clear mental picture in my mind of running with my kids. I'm not done. I'm not in retirement. I don't, I'm not at a place to just drape me in velour and put me in the easy chair. That's not where I might get there, but that's not where I am today. I have a clear mental picture of playing with my kids. Now, some of you don't know, but just a couple of years, I was playing in a competitive soccer league with firefighters from this neighborhood where almost everybody in the league was in their 20s and many of them played in Division I schools and I was the oldest guy tied for being the oldest guy in the league keeping up with these 20-somethings. Okay, I know what I'm capable of. So I have a clear mental picture. This is what's going on in my life that's not right. This is what needs to change. Now, not only do I have a clear mental picture, but I have a conviction that it should change. Now, whether it's a sin issue, an addiction issue, or whether it's uh, the quality of your life or the strength of your spirit. Here's one reason why I'm an advocate for church attendance and small group attendance. Those things give your spirit a chance, a fighting chance to live life the way God intended for you to. There's a reason. Last week we read the writer of Hebrews talking about you should not neglect the meeting. Okay, that When I come together, I get a chance to grow, to grow, to get stronger, for my faith to be fueled, to, to get a mental picture of what should be and to build up my conviction that it should be. So whether it's 
Okay, let's, let's talk about frustration and tension. At some point, we do need to come out of this, I'm excited. God's going to, I've got vision for this. Few, and then I go home. And it's the same place I left. Right? Anybody? I mean, I grew up on church. I'm always asking the question, so what? It's got to make a difference with what you go home to, right? So I need to start to ask myself some questions so that I can come to a place of being able to say, this is what could be. This is what should be. This is what, by God's grace, will be. What are you asking God for? Do you have a list? I've got lists of lists. I'm not even joking. Right? Don't just stew in the frustration. Make a list. Write it out. God wants you, Habakkuk 2, write a vision, make it plain. If it's not clear to you what you're asking for, God doesn't. He knows what to give you, but he, he, this is biblical. He wants you to express it. He wants you to make it clear. So write it down. How should it look? Whatever it is that's frustrating you. Write it down. It's time for us to start to dream about things being different and start to see how we can make a difference. Because once I get a vision of what could be and have a conviction that it should be and that by God's grace it will be, God wants me to not only pray that He will change it, but God also wants me to change for opportunities for me to be involved in the change. You know one reason why I like the story of Nehemiah? It's amazing. It literally changed even the map that we have today. It changed the course of human history. And yet, if you watch the story, there's no miracles like Jesus' miracles. They're really not. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of dealing with critics and, and garbage and problems. But there's a lot of ordinary people that are in the story of Nehemiah that changed the course of human history by responding to the promise of God and the realities of their way that their city was in ruin. And get this, the Proverbs is prophetic. And we're talking about your personal vision for your life and how your life should be different. Proverbs says this, A man without self-control is like a city without walls. And what he's saying is, is that a person that has no self-control, they're just bouncing around life and anyone or anything can come and take from them whatever they want. If you have no self-control, someone else can tempt you and lead you astray. If you have no self-control, you're going to be like a sheep. You know one thing that's dumb about sheep? And don't you love that Jesus compares us to sheep? Sheep are dumb animals. You know why? Because sheep have their head down, and when they feed, they're not paying attention to what's on around them, and they let their craving, their nibbling on the grass, is what leads them wherever they go. And that's how they get lost. Jesus knew what shepherds went through, so did David. That's why they tell the story about leaving the 99 to go find the one because a sheep a being in a pack wasn't good enough for them they're on nibble on this that's yummy look at that that's yummy and i'm over here and that's yummy if we have no self-control that's what's going on with our spirits that's yummy that's yummy that's yummy and with the with the advent of the internet and all the freedom of information and Christian or pseudo-Christian or quoting some scriptures, but syncretism and all kind of weird stuff mixed in, we can be feeding on false teachers and not be aware of it. We can, I can get a little of this and a little of this and a little of that. Listen, I've been hurt by church. 
Before Jesus and responding to Jesus, there was nothing I wanted to do with church. To be here building a church, there's still some of my old friends that can't believe I'm here doing this. But let me tell you what I learned. When you're a part of a local church, you have a safety. You're with a group of believers that are moving the same direction, that are pursuing the Bible, that are pursuing Jesus, that have good doctrine, that have good relationships, that love on each other, and you keep each other safe because we're not sheep. God created us with a brain. He created us with spirits. He created us with spiritual discernment. He created us with a hunger for Him. But if I have no self-control, no, 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 that's yummy, that's yummy, that's yummy, that's yummy. And it, start, it always starts with mixture. In the summer day, you ever go out in the front yard? We don't have one anymore, but you go out in the front yard, you've got the hose laying out there, you turn the hose on, you don't take a drink right away. Why? Yeah. You got all that yucky warm water in there. There's mixture of yucky stuff with the pure truth in our culture all over the place. And if I have no self-control, if God's not my shepherd, you know, David wrote and Anna read the Psalm 23 this morning at communion. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so what happens is, when I start to get a a seat God and set my things on the things of God, I start to see in my own life, in my home, in my work, in my neighborhood, things that should not be. And I need to come to God for a pure vision of what He wants. That's why a lot of times the first question I ask someone when they come to me and say, this is jacked up, what should I do? I will say, have you prayed about it? I'm not trying to make you into something you're not, but the Bible is true. And God is for you. And God's the one who created you. And God's the one that has a plan in your life. Now, God's revealed a lot of wisdom to us. We've helped a lot of people and we always help people. I don't stop there. But then what we always do is teach people to pray and learn through the course of this problem. Because guess what's going to happen when you're done with this problem? There will be another one. And what we want is not for you to be dependent upon us, but for you to be dependent on God and for you to grow and to learn and be equipped and learn how to seek God for yourself and seek God with a community of believers where your life is strong and is built on the sure foundation. Amen? God wants you to have a vision for your life. And so when I'm promoting this carve-out time, turn every screen off, you guys hear me say it a few times every month, there's a reason. You get alone with God, you're going to start to see the picture that He sees. You start to write down how it should be. Now, let me bring some clarification before we have our last time of prayer. You're going to have to start to be able to ask yourself, is this an area that God's involved with? Some of you remember from last Sunday, I talked about usually the Holy Spirit is only working on one area of your life at a time. So you need to start asking the why question. Why is it that I want to see that issue changed? Now, if you ask why, and your answer is, I believe that God knows what's best for me, or this situation now you know you're, you're headed the right direction. Does that make sense? Yes. Why would God care about what's best for you? Well, God loves me. God has a plan for my life. And by following God's plan, I have the best chances of this issue being repaired. 
We're in um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, right? A pastor, PhD, civil rights leader. Racism is still alive and well. We have an inequality of opportunities. You know, we could talk about this for a long time. But for everyone in this room, we will have a very degrees of tendencies to prejudge someone else. Well, that should not be. And it's easy for me to go to Scripture and walk away with a conviction that not only is, is that should not be, but that's got to change, and by God's grace, it will change. So I can get a personal vision to see change. Right? Now, when I'm in that place, I need some action steps. I need to know what to do. Because what can happen is a problem can develop in your life and you don't really know it's there. Another great reason to live life open in a community. I'll give you an example. Before the holidays, I went to the dentist. I had no reason to, as a man, go to a dentist. I had no pain, no dental sensitivity. But we had this insurance that was going away and I was going to get all these free cleanings and free stuff. So I've got to go use the free stuff. And obey my wife. I go, and I have this one tooth that's always like, one of my molars just naturally sits a little bit crooked. And because it does, it allowed for a cavity to grow in a weird place that I couldn't feel at all, but they caught just in time so I didn't need a root canal. And I was really, he says, do you want to get it fixed today? I said, yeah, I want to get it fixed today. I do not want a root canal. You know, and it was, it was actually pretty bad. He was kind of surprised I couldn't feel anything. And he, he said, honestly, when we finish this, you might have pain. And if you have pain over X number of weeks, you got to come back. We'll just, I need to do a root canal anyway. You don't always know that a problem is developing when a problem is developing on the inside of you. And you may find out if you're living isolated and you're not living open with other believers um, or your pastor, you may kind of come to a place where I'm finding out too late. And now it's a real serious problem, and it's a very painful repair. We don't want that, right? Now, if I'm on a regular basis connected with God's vision for my life, and I'm dreaming about, praying about, writing stuff down, praying through, and taking action towards what God wants for my life, I will have a lot less of that stuff. Are you with me? So let me give you a couple real simple steps, and then we're going to pray. Believe, belong, focus, pursue. Let me talk about what I mean here, okay? <clears throat> you got to believe that God did create you, create you with a plan and a purpose, and that God has promise for your life. You've got to believe that that's involved. You can't skip that step. And it needs to be your belief, not the belief of someone else. It's not, ooh, I got excited when I heard someone else talk about that belief. No, it needs to be your belief. And that's one reason why spending the time in your Bible, spending the time in small groups and discussing things and asking questions, getting yourself in an environment where you feel comfortable enough to ask a question. It's really, really helpful. And that also plays into the belong. Now, I've got to also ask God for help. Okay, ask God for help. Ask God to change me, change my situation. Ask God for new opportunities. I got to live open with other people. And that takes time. I've got to write things down. I've got to belong to a community of believers with functional relationships, waste time together, see movies together, see, you know, have fun, play games together, uh, build a relationship, build trust with each other. How many of you know that building trust takes time? 
And if you're going to be open with somebody else about what's going on in your spirit world, that's going to take trust that takes time. Well, this is why we don't do anything but Sunday morning church and small groups, because we want to make it as easy for you as possible to give it time to build those kind of relationships. Now, from there, I've got to focus. Okay, you finally showed Daniel and Mariah, Jamera, the karate kid, focus, power, Daniel, son. Right, you've got to focus. You got to in, in writing stuff down and identifying where there is a discrepancy between what you're seeing when you focus on God and what the, your quote unquote reality is in your life. And writing that stuff down, it will laser, it will tune in your focus, and you will know exactly what the prayer request is, and then you will know exactly when that prayer request is answered. Amen. God. I want to do dot, dot, dot with less frequency. Okay, what's the frequency now? Okay, you, you see my point? You've got to focus it, focus it down to, and what is the one thing that God's working on you? And then from there, you've got to pursue it. And a part of pursuing, as we heard last week from Hebrews 12, is keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, and as we heard from Colossians and Philippians today, setting always in front of us the realities of heaven a week should never go by without you pausing to set your focus on the realities of heaven give your spirit a fighting chance set your eyes on the realities of heaven remember we're not setting our focus on the problem you hear what i'm saying this is really important if your focus is on what's wrong in, inside you or in your situation or your surroundings, you're going to end up burnout and hopeless. But if your focus is on God and you're setting your sights on God and the realities and the truth that are in Scripture, you are constantly every day being encouraged and you are more focused on that than on the problem. And then it's much easier to have strength, to have wind in your sails and to see change. Because then every time you ask for change and every time you begin to pursue the change in the steps that God wants you to do, you know that you're not alone and you know that God is doing the heavy lifting and because you're focused on God, it's not a, I'm on my own trying to do this. No, 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 no. More focus on God than anything else. Amen? Does that sound good? Okay, in our closing time of prayer, this is where I'd like for us to be focused. Okay, well, I got a lot of to-do list. I got to write stuff down. I got to read. I got to pray. I got to memorize scripture. I got oh, okay. Well, let, let's just take a pill and, and and pray. Okay, just joking. Just just joking. Just joking. Let's remember that we are instructed that when we need help, to ask for it. Right. I'm focused on God. God is the one who is able. In Ephesians, like He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Ephesians three twenty. Right. So we are going to ask God for help. And here's the help that we're going to ask for specifically. God, I'd like for you to awaken my spiritual hunger. God, I'd like you to help me see through obstacles and not be distracted by them. And I want to make a comment on this one because as I, you know that I pray for you every week. As I've been praying for you over the last six weeks, this one just won't leave me alone. I believe that there are people in the room today that 
you have allowed circumstances and natural things to be obstacles to you that are not real obstacles. The kingdom of God is more real than the kingdom of this earth. There are things that we look at that we can call reality that are not reality. You're a spirit being. God wants you to have discernment to see through things that are not obstacles, to stop seeing them as obstacles. We can, if we're not careful, make life changing decisions based on obstacles that God wants us to overcome. Remember, it is Jesus who said to say to that mountain, move. A mountain is Jesus' example. Some of us have things in our life that we view as an obstacle that's immovable that is not. God's calling you to see what He sees. But God, help us to see through the obstacles to not be distracted by them. God, please give us guidance for our lives. God, please give us strength to resist sinful cravings. God, please give us strength to seek You, to seek Him for fruitfulness. I want you to remember that there's two real standards in the Bible for those of us that are believers in Jesus to obey Him, and to be fruitful. That's it. Will you stand with me and let's pray on these things to close our time together today. God, we set our focus on You today. Lord, we are going to decide to seek you, to seek your kingdom, uh, you more than anything else. We will repent for where our affections have been on other things and not on you. We confess our need for you. We receive your forgiveness and we forgive others. And today, right here, right now, we are asking for your help. We are asking you to awaken spiritual hunger on the inside of us. Lord, where we do not desire you in your presence, where we do not desire prayer and the truth of the scripture, awaken a spiritual hunger in us again. Lord, restore to us a clean spirit the right spirit, the love of our first, our first love in you that we had upon salvation. Awaken our spiritual hunger. Open our spiritual eyes, I pray. Open our spiritual eyes to see what you see, to see through the pretend things the enemy has put in our path to convince us that they are obstacles, that there are things that must be in our lives, that you, that is not your will. Help us to not be distracted by these pretend obstacles, but to see your world the way that you do. God, we ask for your guidance in our life. Lord, help us to not make life-changing decisions awry, not to, to, to turn our heart away from you, but we need your help. We need to hear your voice. We need wisdom. Help us to build relationships with other believers that will help us as we ask questions to find your guidance, that it would be simple, that it would be clear, that it would be obvious, that we would not be a people of confusion, but we would be a people of clarity in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you would give us strength. You'd strengthen our spiritual beings to resist sinful cravings. Lord, help us to have a hunger for you more than anything else. Let there be a change in our lifestyle, O God. And Lord, I ask that you would give us the strength to seek you 
for fruitfulness, Lord, that this will be a year in 2015 of us seeing your revealed promises and finding fruitfulness and fruit that remains, Lord, on the inside of us, in our character, in the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, and in our homes, in our marriages, in our parenthood, in our jobs, at the workplace, on the school campuses, in our neighborhood, and in the city. We want to see fruitfulness, God, in the name of Jesus. We want to see change in the name of Jesus. I ask that as you open our spiritual eyes, as we set our eyes on the things of heaven, and we begin to see that there are things in our life that should not be, We begin to see what you want. We begin to see what could be and develop a conviction that it should be. That we will begin to pray by God's grace, it will be in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that we are not alone in this world. Lord, you have not only sent the Holy Spirit, but you have also given us each other. Help us to love each other with great grace and strength. And that as we come back next Sunday to celebrate four years of this church and celebrate a lunch together and an end to this three week of focused prayer and fasting that there'd be just such a tremendous joy a life changing joy on the inside of us help us Lord I ask in the name of Jesus Amen